Hey, what up? It's Mark Carter. I'm the pastor of Fierce Church. Welcome to our podcast. I'm so pumped that you're able to join us today. I hope this encourages you, inspires you, strengthens you, gives you hope to keep pressing on. And it's my prayer that this sermon gives you a more expansive view of God's love for you. Enjoy the message. There's nobody like Jesus. There is nobody like Jesus. Jesus, there is nobody like you. Thank you for your presence today. Lord, I thank you that you're giving the enemy a breakdown right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, I hope that you'll high-five two people in the air and tell them the weekend's better with you here. The weekend is better with you here as you are finding your seat. Man, what was that? High five. Hey, guys, I'm excited because I really do believe, you know, life is hard, man. Life can just beat us up. And, and I know that at least, I don't know if your family, but in my family, you know, not only uh, we got both parents, you know, taking courses and we got all of our kids taking their courses. And now we're like four weeks in. And man, the first week was rough. And now we're like a month in and it's like, whoo! I mean, every Sabbath, it's like, you know, we got to lay down in a coma for a little while because it's just so intense. But, you know, life just sucks it out of us, but we got to know where to go to get refilled. You know, we're all used to kind of being at home or wherever we are in, in a very relaxed state. And sometimes we can get tricked into thinking that just, just more rest or just another show or just another nap, that that will actually refresh us in all the ways that we need to be refreshed. And Jesus alone can refresh us. That's why we need to regularly ask, Lord, I need fresh fire. I need fresh filling. You made me to live for you with abandon. You made me to live for you with joy. And that only comes, it really doesn't even come from coming to church or watching church online. It comes from asking Jesus to meet us at church, asking him to meet us online, asking him to, to meet us at work, asking him to meet us at the home. It's Jesus himself. See, he doesn't want he doesn't want any competitors, man. He doesn't want us thinking that we're going to get true spiritual rest, emotional rest from anybody or anything other than Jesus. Somebody say Jesus. So, we're going to talk about getting more full of Jesus today. Um, you know, the first Christians, they knew the only way that they were going to really experience God's power was by relinquishing control. How many trying to control a little bit too much lately? We got to relinquish control if we really want to experience his power. And we're, we're back in the book of Acts. We're back in the series. Don't call it a comeback. And we're just kind of, we're taking our time. We're going through because we want to suck all the marrow out of this thing. Um, and we got to understand, we're going to meet, we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit today. And people He's, he's the, I believe he's the most misunderstood person on earth, but he is a person on earth. Last week, we talked about the fact that once we become a Christ follower, we become the new temple. We become the new and better temple of Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit really comes to live inside of us. But now, if that's really true, if he comes to live inside of us, then he's going to have some feedback. Right? We're, we're, we're literally saying that there is a person that lives inside you other than you. Okay, that, if, there's, if that's really true, one of the ways you're going to know is he has an opinion about things. He's going to occasionally let you know what God's will is. He's going to give you some feedback on our thinking, on our behavior, and that's just reassuring you that, that God's promise is true. Jesus really has given you that deposit. It's a taste of things to come in heaven. But if we don't understand rightly who the Holy Spirit is and what he's trying to do, 
We're just going to make all kinds of mistakes. We're going to play it safe when we shouldn't play it safe. We're going to get in the flesh. We're going to maybe experience the illusion of control, but we're going to have less joy. Really, according to the Bible, we're going to have less fruitfulness. And if we're not careful, instead of really seeing God move in our lives and in our church and every other you know, little nook and cranny that we live in, instead, we, we might mistakenly really just adopt a system of belief that is not the same thing as a direct relationship with the Holy Spirit of Jesus. And we can, we can go in and out of that. It's not like it's a one-time deal. Sometimes we just revert to, I'm going through the motions, but I'm not knowing Christ through the Holy Spirit. You know, the Holy Spirit of Jesus is the same always. He never changes. And yet, what's so crazy about God is he's entirely unpredictable. Even though he never changes, you and I can never figure out what he's doing. And that's the way he's going to operate in our lives. And so, as we position ourselves, if we're going to position ourselves to be used by God, we have to be able to give up our need for control. Because I don't know about you, but I have a real hard time. I fight for control, even when I know better. And we got any people that try to control stuff up in here? Yeah, man. And, and, and we fight, we fight. There's probably people in your life that, that you know, there's certain relationships just like, man, I feel like we're always in a fight about trying to, who's going to do what and, and who gets to choose the goals and what the methods are going to be. And we can get in all kinds of drama even. And, you know, it's funny because we can think, well, my way is the right way. Or if people just do things my way, it would be the right way. And yet the scripture warns us, um, knock, knock, just so you know, your way often ends in death. According to Proverbs 14, 12, it says, there's a way that seems right unto man, but it ends, its end is the way of, to death. That should be frightening to all of us. Like when you think you're really right, nope, that wasn't God's way. That wasn't obedience. And it's going to turn out bad. We fight God for all kinds of control of, of circumstances. Like we want this to happen or that to happen. We fight God's schedule sometimes. Like I can, man, I, I kind of like to be productive. I'm one of those guys, okay? So I'm, I'm meticulously planning my week and trying to get everything, you know, in the right place so that as soon as I get there, that's going to happen. As soon as I get there, that's going to happen. And you know what is so sad about that kind of a lifestyle? Even though, yes, you get stuff done, I really believe you miss divine appointments all the time because nobody gets to interrupt your flow because you're trying to control. There's just certain ones that God will bring along or there's certain pauses that he would have you to take. How many know Jesus ain't in a hurry? Did anybody figure that out yet? Yeah, and so, but when we're always in a hurry, we might miss some of the things that he wants to do in our lives. So Jesus had just ascended into heaven. And right before he did that, he told everybody, okay, you need to make sure that you wait on my power. Hey, you little disciples that want to go change the world now. Okay, I rose from the dead. You're, you're starting to understand a little bit better about the kingdom. And just know I need you to stay put at first. I need you to wait on the Holy Spirit because my teaching is not enough. I don't just need you to tell people what I said. You need the power that I'm going to bring into your life. But that power is often unpredictable. It doesn't always do what you want it to do. It does what I want it to do, the Lord says. He promised this in Acts 1.4. He said, and while stay, staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. I feel like if waiting was the first thing, maybe waiting is an important thing for disciples. How many think that might be true? Yeah. If that was the first thing, maybe that's an important thing, which he said, 
You heard from me, for John baptized you with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Okay, let's see what happens. Verse Chapter 2, verse 1, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together. We read this last time, but we're going to take it a new direction this time. They were all together in one place. Okay, right there, man, that's a sermon right there. They were there doing what? Seeking the empowerment of of the Holy Spirit. They didn't just say, well, you know, I guess I'll just believe that I'm empowered by the Holy Spirit. I mean, that's probably a good thing to do, but they also knew, I'm not just going to go and assume I'm actually going to have moments, times, seasons of waiting. And suddenly, suddenly, you know, when, when we develop a lifestyle of waiting, there are suddenlies. Suddenly, it's like, man, I kind of forgot about this, and then boom, God just breaks forth in our life. You know, God has surprises in store for you that you're not even thinking about right now, but he's like, he can't wait for the date to arrive because to you, it's going to be a suddenly, even though he's been planning it the whole time. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Now, just picture this for a second. It's a mighty rushing, okay, it's, it's loud, and it's filling a house. Imagine what it's like to hear a hurricane within a house, not outside of it, within it. Dude, this must have been loud because we know we're going to see in a minute people from all around come to check it out. There ends up being over 3,000 people there. Amen. What does that sound like? That loud of a wind, boom, inside, God is breaking forth. And it, he's arriving loudly because he wants to, he just right off the bat, he wants to remind hey, you disciples aren't in control, I'm in control. And you can't control me. We don't get to control the Holy Spirit. So he shows up kind of loudly, and he shows up in fire too. Verse three, and divided tongues as a fire appeared and rested on each of them. Just think like a little long flame. Don't think like somebody's wagging their tongue above their head. That's what I used to think. It's just fire, kind of like the pillar of fire in the Old Testament. It's appearing above their heads. And this is really important because this is Luke's way of saying, the writer, it's his way of saying, this is God. This is God. See, fire is a, very often Old Testament image of how God represents himself. That's how he represented himself to Moses, to Jacob, to the Israelites. Jesus and John the Baptist both said, he's gonna come and he's gonna baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. God reveals himself, he's saying, this is God. This is me coming upon you, God himself. I mean, that's, that's an amazing, if you're thinking of that through the lens of the Old Testament, that's an amazing sign that is happening right there. But fire, it comes not just to warm things up, it comes to cleanse. Fire burns away the bad stuff. And, and you know, the Holy Spirit of Jesus is so loving that he doesn't, he doesn't pretend bad stuff isn't there. And so as we walk with the Holy Spirit, he'll, he'll, he always wants to like lift up the rock and say, see all those nasty bugs under there? Don't pretend it's not there. Don't just put the rock back down. That is there. And you don't have to be perfect right now. You don't have to be a perfect little mini Jesus, but we're going to work on this stuff. I'm bringing the fire because slowly I'm determined I'm going to make you into the image of the Son of God. That's how he sets our hearts on fire. If we get real used to just ignoring the Holy Spirit, if we get used to ignoring his conviction, ignoring his leading, precious, here's what I've seen happen. What happens is people lose all fire. They might have started out real fiery, but they lose all fire. And then they slowly get tricked into thinking, man, I guess walking with God is boring. 
No, dude, it ain't boring. You just ain't accessing the fire. It's awesome when we're on fire. Yeah, it's costly, but oh my word, is it worth it. We all need a fresh baptism of fire. And don't think that you need to be perfect. We just need to be asking, and we need to be truth-telling. That means when the Spirit of God says, that's wrong, we need to say, yes, sir, that's wrong. And you might do it seven more times that day. But you have to agree with them. You have to say, "Uh, you're right, that's wrong. And by the grace of God, he who began a good work in me is going to carry it right on to completion. I'm believing God's going to do the whole thing, but I'm not going to deceive myself. Self-deception's a real thing. I'm not going to deceive myself and say, ah, maybe it's good. No. It's a bug under the rock. And the Lord wants to talk about it, wants to deal with this. Notice that this was really noisy. And that's a noisy little hurricane house. And you know, God doesn't always, as we're going to see throughout the book of Acts, not everything God does, not everything the Holy Spirit does is noisy. But we need to prepare a place in our hearts for there are times when God just does things that are a little bit more loud, they're a little bit more noticeable, they're a little bit more like, whoa, what was that? And we need to have a grid. That is how God will sometimes operate. And some people, they get, they get angry about this because either they feel like, well, what does that mean about me? Maybe I didn't have those kinds of experiences yet or I haven't seen God do anything like that. And precious, you don't need to get angry. But what we do need is we need to open ourselves to the fact that you could live a thousand lifetimes and you would never experience all that God can and does do. Okay, nobody becomes an expert overnight. And sometimes maybe people have some of those experiences because they need something like that because of what they're going to come they're going to come up with some against some difficult stuff. And then you'd be able to look back and say, "Man, I know God showed up there and I know that God transforms lives and I know God is going to be faithful to me because he he spoke to my heart in a very nuanced and particular to me kind of a way." We're all different, man. Every human is different. And God deals with humans according to who they are, not according to how everybody wishes they were. But at other times, he does things, and and we're going to see this all over, he does things real quiet and real secret and real under the surface, real behind the scenes, slow and steady. You guys have all heard this. You know that when you see an iceberg, like 90% of it is still underwater. Well, the Holy Spirit, man, he's a good scuba diver. And he's dealing with most of the stuff under the surface. He's in our hearts, making a little, you know, ice Jesus down there. But you don't see it. You don't feel it. Because he's just doing it without necessarily our permission behind the scenes. If you were, you know, from a, a background that was maybe a little bit louder, a little bit more Pentecostal, we might say, um, you come into a quiet environment, and, and for some people, they're like, man, what is wrong with this place? If, 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 if there isn't hooting and hollering and, you know, and people aren't yipping, then, then they're like, man, these guys are missing God. What's going on here? But by the same token, if you, if you grew up in a little bit more of a traditional background or a little bit more quiet, okay, and that was just how you learned to do things, and maybe it was a little bit more contemplative, and, and there were some really profound you know, moments with the Holy Spirit, but, you know, people just didn't learn to do anything else except for standing dead face, okay? Well, then any kind of little clamor, people are like, what? What is that? And it's because really, and we all do this, we sink to what we learned first rather than sink to what's in the book. Somebody say in the book. We need to sink to what's in the book. And here's what we want to do. We, it's, it's kind of poisonous to just say, well, God is this way, but not this way. We just need to say, God is so big, I've got a lot to learn. 
and maybe at different times because of what people are going through. He deals with people in different ways. And maybe we all need training in different aspects and sometimes in different points of life. So when I was very young Christian, okay, I had grown up in an environment where I was kind of on the outskirts of Jesus. Like I learned some good stuff about Jesus, but relationally I was, I was kind of keeping my distance. And then he drew me in and I came into this little Bible study and dude, it, was, it would have looked quiet to you. But dude, trumpets were going off on the inside of me because I was opening up the Bible and I'm like, I've never seen this before. I did not understand what a radical Jesus was. I did not understand what a, man, I'll follow him anywhere. This guy is awesome. Like I'm sitting there falling in love, but it's loud on the inside, but it's quiet on the outside. Well, you know, then I, I kind of went through my own seasons as a Christian. Like I, I really jumped into the word and I really was devoted to study and to prayer and to contemplating and reading. And then I, I had to find out more about the experiential side of God because I kind of needed that for me. Like I needed, I mean, I remember telling Jesus like, all right, Jesus, well, look, I mean, I'm here. So I need you to reveal yourself to me. And if, if I'm not worth you revealing yourself to me, then I don't know, I don't know what we're doing here. And, you know, don't take that as a model because you're not to dictate to God. But for me, I was so raw and so young and so ripe. He just, he was like, well, that kid's being sincere. So here you go. I'd sit there in my, my little dorm room. And dude, I'm telling you, the spirit of God would flood that place. And you wouldn't know it, but it was like I was in the Holy of Holies, man. And I was experiencing something very real, very emotional, and very like, yeah, it would be scary to some, but it wasn't scary to me. It was pretty doggone awesome. It's anybody's guess what the Holy Spirit is going to do when he shows up. Now, there's norms, and there's, there's ways that are, oh, that this is kind of the ebb and the flow, but we just want to be real careful when we say, this and only this is the way that he moves. Instead, we need to let him transform us. But sometimes that means he's going to scare you a little bit in a good way. And other times, it means he's going to be so quiet, quieter than a mouse, but he's still over the long term. He's doing stuff underneath that surface, making what he wants to make, because God is mysterious. Somebody say, God is mysterious. And he'll ask us to do things that are loud. Here's what I mean. I don't mean ask you to run through the crowded restaurant yelling, the devil is a liar. Okay. You can, that's not sin if you want to do that, but I'm just saying that might close some relational doors for you long-term. All right. If, you, if that's your reputation, people tend to veer away. Even when they love Jesus, they tend to veer, veer away from that thing. But I mean, what about loud stuff that's just loud for you? Maybe it's not particularly loud for anybody else. So for some, if the spirit of God laid on your heart, I want you to Post that sermon that really blessed you on your social media feed. Well, for you, that might be, God, that is loud. Like, I don't get that loud. But the Spirit is like, let's be loud today. Or maybe he says, you know, I know you were thinking about giving that in the offering. I want you to double it. The Spirit just lays that on your heart. And you're like, God, that's loud. Are you sure we want to be that loud? He's like, I'm a loud God sometimes. I need you to be able to follow me into my loudness. Or maybe, you know, you're a real shy person. But you notice somebody across the auditorium like, man, they look like they, you know, maybe they could use somebody to say hi to him. And the spirit's like, yep. And he's trying to push you, you know, and you're, you're I don't know. You're like, God, that's a little loud for me. He says, well, I'm a loud God today. I know you're shy. Go make them feel good. Go make them feel like they can be at home. And other times he might do stuff that's, that's real quiet. Doesn't seem like a big deal. In fact, it almost seems like 
I don't even know if this is God. It seems so tiny. I don't know if God is really doing this. But sometimes, maybe you're sitting there praying, sitting on the sofa. You know, there's a pause between shows and you're just talking to the Lord. And you just sense this little, get on your knees. Now, God's not giving you a law. He's not saying you have to pray on your knees from now on for the rest of your life. But sometimes, our physical posture affects our internal posture. And so from time to time, it's a little quiet thing. It says, no, don't resist me. Get on your knees and pray to me, acknowledging my kingship. There's times, really, I'm just right here in the worship experience. And I know for some, this, this is where you are. And, and listen, you don't have to be where anybody else is. You just be where you are. But for me, there's a little quiet. My hands start to feel, if I start to put them down, sometimes I feel like, that is not pleasing to the Lord. In that moment for me, not for you, we don't all have to have our hands up all the time. I'm just saying it's a personal walk. And in, in that personal moment, the Spirit is like, I want you to keep your hands up as a sign of surrender, Carter. Your life is not your own. You've given yourself to me and just worship me right now in the way that I tell you to do it. Well, there's plenty of times I don't lift my hands and I don't feel like I should. But in those moments, are you responding to the quiet unobtrusive, it's not the loud version, it's the quiet version, the version where God does quite a bit. And sometimes, sometimes it's so quiet that we're like, God, are you moving at all? Like, I don't feel like I've heard anything or, or experienced you in such a long time. Are you even here anymore? Like, what are you doing? And we can go seasons where God is not feeling like he's doing very much. And that's where we got to trust. No, Jesus died for me. I'm not excluded from his promise to go ahead and grow me up in all things into Christ. He's doing stuff. And listen, God is such a good shepherd. You know, a real good shepherd, he'll come get you when it's time. Like, he's not going to forget about you. But I know I can go long seasons where it doesn't seem like God's really doing a whole lot of communicating to me about certain things. But I've just learned to trust him. God will come tell you when it's time to know. And some of that right there is part of faith. It's part of saying, well... I guess I'll keep doing what I know to do. Some of us get so afraid and so concerned. We're like, I don't know what I'm doing wrong. Maybe God's mad. Calm down, precious. Calm down. He loves you. He's faithful enough. If you're doing something wrong, he'll let you know, okay? As long as you don't quench that spirit for too long. He'll bring conviction. He'll be like, nah, that's not my way. Uh, when I was in my early 20s, I worked at this railroad. Some of y'all heard my my railroad stories, but when I was working on the railroad, I worked for this guy that, God bless him, Jesus, thank you, but he was the worst leader. I mean, just, just the worst. He was one of these guys that kind of was a know-it-all, but also exasperated everybody around him, and I'm like going to work every day, oh, Lord, please, this man, like, it's just flesh-melting. You had a flesh-melting person recently, okay, where you're just like, I can't be around you because they're so frustrating. Well, that was my every day at work, okay? And, and yet, quietly, the Spirit of God is just laying on my heart. Just honor him. Just submit to him. Carter, do you really need to defend yourself? Do you really need to, like, prove something here? Why don't you just submit to him because you can't lead unless you learn to submit? And this guy's going to pass right out of your life. Like, you know this. I was alive long enough to know that seasons just come and go. This guy's not going to be here forever. 
why don't you just pass the test and let me do something quietly? Now, you wouldn't have known that to look at me. I probably wouldn't have brought it up, but there was this internal test that we're in, and I'm sure there's many of us right now. You got an internal test that nobody knows about, but you need to have godly courage. Say, I'm going to go ahead and pass this test. I'm going to go ahead and make it through. I'm going to do the hard thing, the thing I don't want to do right now, because this season's going to end, and I want to be able to say, Lord, i let you do the quiet things in me. So why did the Spirit of God manifest this way, though? Like, in the book of Acts, he manifests with these tongues of fire, and these people start speaking other languages. Let's pick it up, verse 5. Now, there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the hurricane house, the multitude came together. They were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, are not these, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? These were folks from all over the Mediterranean. And by a miracle of God, they are experiencing, these people are suddenly able to speak my language, but I know they're not where I'm from. So he kind of goes through a list of all these places people are from, like, you know, Mesopotamia and Judea and Cyrene, and we'll skip all that to the end of verse 11. We hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. That's what they hear. So these were folks, let's take a look at that map if we have that map. From all around the ancient known world, every place you see in red, that's where all these Jews are coming together from. Why? For the celebration of Pentecost. That's why they're in town. That's why they're there. So they are Jewish, but they grew up somewhere else. Okay, That means they had their own language that they learned as they grew up, and now they're hearing these folks here are speaking the language they learned when they grew up, and they're like, not only, it's not, it's not even like one or two. It's all over, from all over these places. People are speaking in in languages they cannot know. And that's a miracle. That's a miracle to these people. They're like, what? It's tripping them out. Now, just so you know, there's really two different kinds of speaking in tongues. There's the sign version that we're talking about in today's message. You've heard me talk about it other times. Many of you know about this. There's the prayer language version of tongues. I'm putting out a podcast about that this week, but... We're going to deal with that at another time. Right now, we're talking about the miracle sign version that they were experiencing in Acts chapter 2. But these guys are, they're like, wow, this is amazing. Verse 12, and they were all amazed and perplexed, saying, what does this mean? But others, it's important, others mocking said they're filled with new wine, which just means they're drunk. Okay, so these folks, they're witnessing this loud, noisy, praise translation miracle, and God is using, it's important, God's not just doing it, God's using his people to do it, and it's piquing the spiritual interest of those who really, we might say, are not really paying attention to the things of God. They're even at Pentecost, but they're not paying attention to the things of God. God says, I want to get their attention. I'm going to use my people to do it. Do you have anyone in your life, you're like, I don't know that they're really spiritually paying attention, right? Like, they're nice, They're great, but they're not really spiritually paying attention. Maybe you remember a time when you weren't really spiritually paying attention. And God says, I'm going to raise up this sign that causes them to look this way. And they're going to be interested. Now, it's it's really awesome to think about. Um, They hear this rattle. They hear this noise. 
And yet it wasn't, it, it wasn't the gospel. It was a step before the gospel. They weren't saying, like, come to Jesus and get saved. They were just saying, God is awesome, God is wonderful in your own native tongue. It was the step before the gospel that draws them out. See, we don't always need to give everybody everything. We don't need to give them all the answers. There's certainly a time to do that. But there's times where we just need to let people sit in the crock pot. I'm so glad some of my friends, when I was kind of exploring the things of the Lord, they let me sit in the crock pot for a little while. They just give me like the answer paper, like, well, here's all you need to do. I don't think that would have worked for me. And we let people sit. And now later that day, they're going to hear from Peter, and 3,000 of them are going to get saved. So there's, there's a stage here. There's, they're getting warmed up by this sign, and then later that brings them to openness to the gospel. But the Spirit was poured out to create interest in the things of God. And I just wonder, is it possible some of the contexts that we're in right now, maybe the only reason you are there is to pique the spiritual interest of others who are there. Maybe you're wondering, like, I don't know what we're doing here. This is ridiculous. And yet God says, no, you're there to be a sign. You're there to be a wonder. You're there to make other people go, huh? That was a different response than I thought I would see. Man, I got a lot of like early stories today. So when I was 19, I'd recently become a Christ follower. And I had you know, kind of figured out this is what Christians do. So I'm in the cafeteria of the university that I attended. And I was like, all right, time to pray. You know, and it's kind of a public place. And this is my first you know, season of doing this. So I'm praying over my food. And you just kind of bow my head or, you know, who cares who sees this? And you know, those of you who that's a part of your life, you know from time to time the enemy's like, what are you doing? That looks dumb. What are people going to think? But at the time, I was just like, hey, man, I'm trying to be fierce for Jesus. My chicken nuggets need blessed, so here we go. Well, when I did this, a young lady named Mackenzie saw me across the auditorium. Now, here's, here's what's important. She had known me before I became a Christian. And so this out-of-the-ordinary thing, prayer bless, you know, bless the food, Lord, piques her interest. Amen. Suddenly she's like, not only is that dude ridiculously handsome, <laughs> but you could ask her, she would tell you, there was something about that that stood out that began to open her up spiritually for when she would later come to Jesus Christ. Amen. That's how God works sometimes as long as it isn't particularly ordinary. Now, there was a lot of folks who were there that day. They were like, wow, this is surprising. I'm perplexed. I don't know what to do. But you got to know, just like it said, others were ridiculing. That's always how it is. Listen, you can't do anything for God. This whole message is about being used of God. You can't do anything for God and not expect a little bit of ridicule and not expect people to have something to say about it. Because they're going to try to tear down. That's just the way it was. And yes, 3,000 of them later get saved, but they didn't all. Some of them went home laughing. They were like, these drunks. I don't know what they're, I don't even understand. There's always going to be someone who looks at you and says, you are speaking gibberish to me. I don't even know what you're talking about. This makes no sense. That ridicule is just a part of the deal. It's how it's going to go. And I want to ask you a favor. Sometimes you're going to hear bad things about our church. Someone's going to say something online or someone's going to post the latest article of like, here's everything wrong with the church. Can I just remind you, 
Ridicule is a part of the deal. And do me a favor, just come straight to me and be like, is this thing true? Because if we jacked something up, I'll tell you. But I also want the opportunity to say, hey man, ridicule is real. That's just the enemy. There's no truth to that at all. That will protect our church from the ridicule and gossip that is sure to come. So, what do we know? We know that we need to be careful not to be too ordinary. Now listen, I know my group here. I know that you guys want to look good. I know that you want to like present yourself well to the rest of the world. And I think that we should, but I think sometimes we over-worry about that. We over-concern ourselves with making even Jesus just seem super normal. Like we, we, we kind of make everything like, oh, nothing fishy going around here. And yet... I don't know if you've noticed this, but when people are looking for a sign, ordinary doesn't look like one. Ordinary looks ordinary. So we need to not minimize Jesus. We need to not take all of the experience of this God that like does just stuff I can't explain sometimes. We can't take all of that out. Kenzie didn't notice all the people that weren't praying. She noticed me because I was doing the out of the ordinary thing. So let's not put everything under a bushel. Let's stand out for Jesus when it's appropriate and be like, God is going to use this as a sign and a wonder to draw people and create spiritual interest. So how do we build a life that is used by the Holy Spirit of God? Number one, we daily open ourselves to what the Holy Spirit is doing now, even if, even if it stretches us. And number two, we invite God to fill us for the need of the moment we're in. Sometimes we can, and, and depending kind of what background you're from, you can get into this a little bit. We want the Lord to do something that just looks amazingly cool. So we're like, Holy Spirit, fill me and, you know, make, you know, make people fall down in the street, you know, when they touch my handkerchief. We want God to do something like that. Or we want to do something about, oh, I heard about God doing something, you know, over in Australia that was just amazing. God, why don't you just come do that over here? Instead of that, let's ask God to fill us for the need of the moment that we're in. Because the moment that they were in at Pentecost, when all these people are uniquely just happen to be all around, that moment was God filled them to do that very thing. What did it say in verse 4? They were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues. Well, a couple chapters later in chapter 4, verse 31, it says, And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. Wow, just like before. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and something different happened. And continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Well, in this situation, God wanted to do a sign gift to create spiritual interest. But in this situation, the same filling of the Holy Spirit was to do something that was appropriate for that moment and that context right there. This is why we need to be open. This is why we say, I can't control what God's gonna do. I just say, God, I don't even understand my moment necessarily. But what does my workplace need in this moment? As I'm visiting my relatives, what do they need? As I'm on the Zoom meeting, Holy Spirit, fill me, but fill me to do whatever you're doing, not what I would just decide you should do. These God followers, they were sincerely seeking God's power to be a sign in the context that they're in. And you and I have different contexts, but your, your contexts, your places that you're doing life were very specifically chosen by Jesus for you to be there and see, if we're not focused on getting God what God wants, we'll look at other Christians. And this is where Christians get off track, man. 
Because we look at everybody else and we're trying to do what I think they would do instead of just say, God, I, you're God. I'm just going to do what you want to do. I think mimicking is really important. I think it's a way we learn. I think that's how kids, that's how they get started, man. They just mimic what they see and then they do it. And even when you're a young Christian, that's kind of like what you do. You, you look around, how is everybody doing this? But the danger there is we get too addicted to what other people are doing and our eyes stay too long on others. When I was a real young Christian, I probably over-leaned on some of my role models and some of my mentors. I just wanted to do it the way they did it. And after a few years, the Holy Spirit really had to convict me, hey, Carter, they're great, but I made you you, and I have special things I want to do through you. And the longer you hang on to that, the less I can do here. And I would say that's true of you too. It's not just me. God made you you. So he could work through your personality, fill you with the Spirit to be a sign and a wonder in the context that you're in. It doesn't require somebody special other than the special Holy Spirit of God. Amen. We position ourselves to be used by God when we give up our need for control. So I want to do a little lab together right now. I want us to pray, but I want to give you this model. This, by the grace of God, has helped me most mornings when I wake up. One of the first things I try to say is, good morning, Holy Spirit. I want to invite you to fill me today and use me in whatever way you want. Use me at work. Use me at the church. Use me if I've got any Zoom meetings. Holy Spirit, I want to ask you to speak words over my kids that I'm not smart enough to speak, but things you want them to know about themselves. Give me grace. Holy Spirit, when I go into meetings, I need the Holy Spirit to be there and to bring about the signs or the counsel or the wisdom or the boldness, whatever the need is for the context, that's what I need. That's the kind of prayer I'd like to pray with you right now. Let's say we bow our heads. Good morning, Holy Spirit. We're so thankful that you're here. You alone are God, and God, we want to get you what you want. So we just invite you to be the power of God in whatever situations we find ourselves in today and this week. We want to invite you into our family, and we pray that you would bring what is necessary there, power, faith, boldness, encouragement, truth. We want to invite you into our jobs or even our lack of jobs. We say, God, would you live there, and would you... Cause us to be open, ready, believing for you to do things that we could never do. Make us a sign in ways we're not even thinking about. God, we lift up all of our students, all of the ones who um, are in Zoom classrooms. God, we pray that we just invite you in. Everybody, Father, would you bring the kingdom through your, your little Christ followers in there? cause them to say and do things that are gospely and Jesus-y and bold and kingdom-bringing. And God, we invite you, Holy Spirit, into our relationships. There's ones we've had to say goodbye to. There's ones that we're about to meet. But God, we want to be accessible to you. We want you to bring about whatever is right in this context. Help us to be open and we pray, God, Bring the power of God, whether it's loud to us or indiscernibly quiet. Holy Spirit, we know that you come to testify of Jesus and to move the kingdom forward 
And we offer ourselves for you to do that today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for joining us. Special thanks to those of you who give generously to support this ministry. It's because of you that this is possible. You can click on the link in the description to give now or visit fierce.church for more information. If you enjoyed this, why not subscribe? Share it with your friends. Click on the share button and take a screenshot and then share it on social media or your social stories. Hey, whatever challenges you're facing, I know you can make it. Don't give up. Hang on to Jesus. He won't let go of you. Thanks for listening.